Welcome to Speak Sex. I'm your host, Evie Eurydice, and today's guest is a very dear friend as well as amazing woman that I want to introduce to my listeners, Catherine Mikesell. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Thank you. It's so, it's so lovely to be here. I'm, <laughs> so, I'm so nervous, but I, I'm, you, know, you know that I adore you. So, yeah, it's uh, mutual. It's really mutual. Are. And I hope that it comes through during our conversation because we have known each other for a long time and we've been there during some milestones in each other's lives. And... Yeah. Um, and and Catherine, you know, is like a lighthouse human. It's not a, a term I use often, but you know, Catherine does bring light, you know, to everything she does and everywhere she goes. And there is such an openness and and love and humanity that just you know comes out of you know literally like every moment of her day. <laughs> so I think that you know, as a, you know, for me as a feminist as well as as you know, kind of like a conscious woman artist. I feel that, you know, I want to share the, the, you know, the abundance of who you are, <laughs> you know, the, this, this kind of like openness, um, because I, I think that that's, you know, how humanity can like kind of like move forward, you know, by, by like embracing all that's good. And, and not and not focusing on all that's maybe not so good. <laughs> and, all, and all the, you know, the feminine components of that, you know, I mean, like compassion and love and beauty and vulnerability that have always, you know, too, too often been seen as, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Not, not negative, but, um, oh my gosh, I can't think of the word I'm thinking of, but they're, but they're not, we have been seen as weaknesses. Exactly. That yeah. That have been, defense. yeah. That have been devalued. Yeah. I think that's yeah. Um, so first, on the on the of official in the official introduction, Catherine is the co-founder and executive director of Fountainhead Arts Residency and Studios here in Miami. Um, Fountainhead is a, a non-profit that has brought to Miami over 420 artists which is kind of an extraordinary number of people that, who come and stay for a month in the uh, residency, uh, three at a time, and can live there uh, for free, work for free, right? And, 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 and part of the experience is facilitating a, a conversation among artists and, and a, conversa a, a kind of like, you know, intellectual um, exchange as well as, as a friendship exchange. So she does the open studios, right? So every every month there uh, there is an open studio, so uh, you know members of the community can go and see these visiting artists. Um, and of course, she has an incredible art collection. And there are also the uh, local studios that Fountainhead manages, and there are like about thirty artists at a time, local Miami artists in the studios. I had one of those for a number of years and loved it. I, I was blessed too. <laughs> um, so, but also, you know, Catherine is a, a mother um, of two amazing children and um, a great neighbor. I, I met her because I, I, I ended up moving into her home. So I bought one <laughs> her previous home. And, you know, that 
that relationship doesn't sound as close as it is, but it is because like she had completely rebuilt that house with so much love and and it was kind of an art project for her. So my living in it was kind of a you know close relationship. It was a close experience, I feel. Um, and um, and then you know our children grew up together because she stayed in the neighborhood. So. Um, you know, speaking of like the devaluing of of women, I feel that you know, our being you know our being mothers has been really important to us and has um, made a lot of our choices. You know, it has kind of like governed our choices. We would have followed different career paths if it weren't for our children, right? Um, so I I think that it you know it's important to put it first even though when we introduce ourselves in the world we have to say everything else we've ever done <laughs> and and you know it's the it's the most time consuming you know labor uh, in a woman's life I feel you know but nevertheless it it gets the least respect you know because it's taken for granted like you just do it for free. And so what else do you do, like, for real? <laughs> it's also, but it's also, I mean, and, and you know this being a mom, it's also, like, the most reward. like, and I have an extraordinarily rewarding job, but nothing compares to raising children. Like, it's, you know, from a, from a, from a heart perspective you know it's it, yeah you're not you're you're not paid for it like you said but and it may not be respected on the outside but on the inside yeah i agree completely so much i mean you know exactly yeah. truth truth yeah, yeah. so yeah, i want to yeah. i want to start this interview my love um by asking you about your moment of change, and I know it wasn't a moment, it's never a moment, it's a series of, you know, events, um, but I know that you were working in the business world, in the corporate world, and then you kind of created this job of yours out of thin air, you kind of manifested it, and then you created it and made it happen. And I think right. that's just, so, you know, A, it's, you know, it's inspiring, I, I feel, for a lot of our listeners that, you know, we can do that. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, take that relative risk and be creative in what, how we want to, uh, you know, have a life. What we want to do with our lives outside, outside the home. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm curious as to what led you to it and how you, did you see it all together or was it one thing leading to another? Um, no, definitely did not see it all together. <laughs> my life has just always been, um, my life has just always been a, a flow in a way that um, has involved a lot of, I guess, risk taking but at the same time it didn't seem risky because I was literally just like following what was put in front of me in some ways and I'm, I'm, I know that you know part of that is you know manifesting what you what you want as well but it's also being open to to see you know and to kind of follow those little nudges that your the universe and your family and your friends are are, are giving you I mean, I, you know, I, I grew up in, you know, a lot of worlds where, you know, women were not 
um, you know, were, were not necessarily, didn't play primary roles, but, but I was always lucky enough to, to make my, my way in. You know, I started as a kid in the car business and, um, very interesting. And I got my first tech job from, uh, <clears throat> from a gentleman that I, that I, that I sold a car to. And then, uh, <laughs> I, I knew I, that was a business I didn't want to stay in. Although I was very blessed that I worked for a family owned business and I learned so much. And I, I, I actually really treasure those years because I think that, um, that being in that business and being, um, in a position where literally everybody coming to see you kind of hates you. Like nobody likes car salespeople. Like it's, you know, and I, I, I feel like that's, you know, I never understood that. Like I, I, I just, I couldn't accept the fact that people would like judge me and not like me before they even said hello. And so I think it, it helped. It, I don't know. It just helped me to, be more open and learn more about people and to <clears throat> make sure that I was accepting people as, as, as they were also accepting me in some ways and not being like, not judging either way. I don't know how, I'm, how it, it's very well, hard. I think it helped you to not take, to not take things personally also, which for us women, it's kind of hard, you know, because if you're, if you're know, a car salesman, you can't take it personally. You know, it's the position and not you, Right. Mm, no, I still, I, yeah. <laughs> no, I still, I still wear my heart on my sleeve. I don't, I don't think it, I don't think it changed that. And frankly, you know what? I don't, I wouldn't want to change that about myself. I don't know. I, uh, I'm an emotional person. I get hurt yeah. very easily, yeah. but it also allows me to feel very easily, like, yeah. and to relate. So. No, it really didn't give me a thing. <laughs> 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 uh, but it, it just, it just, it just it enabled me. It, it taught me how to build relationships. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it really taught me how to build relationships. And then, and then, if, in a weird way, you know, I, I like stayed in touch and had relationships with people that I sold cars to. Mm-hmm. Like I still, I still have people. We're talking thirty years later. Wow. That will call me. That I will put in touch with this with this dealership back in Virginia. You know, um, wow. Because because I think when you're open, you get to know the people, and you stay in touch with people. Yeah. Because there's some connection. It yeah. Doesn't, it's, like, it's like us. Like yeah. How many people like stay in touch and fall in love with the person that bought their house? I know. I know. I know. I know. It was like it was <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. like, yeah, that oh, was it. I know that was it. That was it. Yeah. And it doesn't matter. And I think it's just a gift, you know, it's a gift, you know, that, that it doesn't matter how much time passes, you know, to me, you're in my heart, you know, yeah. you're, that's mm-hmm. it. It's good to go. <laughs> right. Exactly. Like, it, you yeah. know, I and I talked it. If you call me tomorrow, I'm like, Catherine, I need you to be here and I need you to do this and that. And the other thing, I'm like, okay. Okay. Yeah. What's the address? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know, when I ask myself, like, why, you know, why do we do what we do? Like, this is why. This, like, so beautiful. Yeah. For me, it's all, it's all about the people. Like, everything I do is, is about people. 
like that's the beauty of the world that we live in you know is that we're all different we all have completely different things to share and to offer to one another and to teach one another and to you know to open our eyes to something that we would have never seen whether it's slowing down to watch the beauty of a butterfly you know flap its wings or a hummingbird drinking nectar or you know or things that are more challenging you know to look at or conversations that you know that shake you it's it's people that cause that that cause you to be open enough to to take that next step it all comes down to people and relationships Yes, exactly. Yes, I agree. I agree. Yeah. And this is all we're talking about, by the way. <laughs> It's yeah. like people and relationships and how to be open and how to, you know, kind of like undo our programming that we had nothing to do with, you know, that was passed on to us by our, you know, parents, grandparents, ancestors who lived in a different century in different conditions, you know, they were just doing their best, but... Um, and frankly, we're, uh -huh. we're all doing our best, and our kids are going to be doing totally different things than what you know than what than what we're doing, and that's great. Like we all have to grow and evolve and be ourselves. Yeah. yeah. Right. Together. So, yeah. I just yeah. have to like totally sidetrack it, but I should get like so you know from there. So I yeah. So you were selling cars. Yeah, and I was uh, there. There I went. I went into technology, and I did again. I kind of I started off in hardware. I went into software. I went into services in the tech field. I eventually, um, I, I actually, you know, interestingly enough, I was um, uh, when when Galt was when Galt was born. Let's see, it was when Galt was born that one of the industries, the, the, the CELAC industry, which is a competitive local exchange carrier, that industry fell, and um, that's the technology that I was in. And basically, like, one one month after um, Galt was born, I was told, you, you, you better come back to work or you're not going to have a job to come back to, even though, you know, you're supposed to be granted three months. Um, so I, I remember going back. I had to go to a conference in... Um, in Toronto and actually my father-in-law came because he had recently retired and he came and, and took care of golf when during the conference and I would come down and, and, and breastfeed him. And then I'd go back to the conference and dad would walk wow. him around. So, wow. And then I come back and breastfeed him. It was, cra it was the craziest thing. And I just remember because golf just never slept. He, he still Actually, he sleeps better now at 19, but um, he just never slept. So my, my father-in-law, David, was like, oh, my gosh, how do you do this? I'm like, I, I don't know. You just do. Like, you don't even, I don't know, you, you, you're, you're a zombie part of the time, but you just do. Like, you know, as a mom. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. You just do it. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. So, When you're called um, to do it, you do it. <laughs> you do it. Yeah. You do it. And then I and then I went back and actually later I, I my company was like this is a time when a lot of software companies were kind of being bought and sold and bought and sold and um, I ended up at another company and then another crash happened and um, I was actually I was pregnant with Sky and I was I was let go because I was pregnant and the, the the president of my division actually 
uh, called me and said, you should, you should sue because you, you were let go because you were pregnant because we had to bring a guy back from, um, from London. We don't have a job for him. We were in the same role and, um, well, you're getting ready to go off on the, on the journey leave and we can't, we can't afford that. And, um, you know, it was a, it was a tough decision to make, but I, for me, life has never been a, a, about the money, you know? And, uh, and I just, I said, you know, I very much appreciate you saying that, but I'm not taking that road. Like I don't, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna spend the first year of my of my. Uh, I didn't know it was gonna be my daughter, but uh, my my daughter's life in a lawsuit. Yeah, like, fighting and being in anger and depositions and. Yeah, that has such tremendous negative energy. I'm like, you know what? I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna figure this out. I'll just on to the next thing. You know, that's chapter closed. Now I got to figure out the next one. You know. And, uh, and then I, I went in and I started buying real estate and that was, um, that was interesting. It was actually, it was, it was lucrative, but I realized we, we talked about fixed in and we talked about not like feeling like I am, I feel everything. So I, you know, we had, we had, um, apartment buildings and like anytime it rained, I would be worried that, you know, is the roof leaking? Is everything okay? If somebody's toilet got stopped up, I'd be like, oh my gosh, those toilet, I gotta get over there and fix it right now. You know, like I felt like they were my children, you know? So I realized that as, as it was lucrative, it was not the business for me because I, I cared too much. And I was like, well, get a management company. I'm like, no, nope, I'm still gonna care. Like, not gonna work for me. Scratch <laughs> that one off the list. And, uh, and then, um, and Fountainhead came from, it started in 2008, in March of 2008. Oh, I remember, my love. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think everybody has a 2008 story, but yeah. <laughs> that was brilliant. That was like, that's your gift. I'm just going to like take a moment. Like, that's what we're talking about, how, you know, you have like a relationship with flow. You know, I, I call it flow. It's like kind of like, like flow through life. You know, without, you know, getting too stuck or overthinking or, you know, thinking too much about the potential outcome of every possible choice, right? And kind of getting stuck at the crossroads and then life moves on and you're still trying to make it. So in, in a sense, you kind of flow. So when 08 happened and all of our property values like crashed in Miami uh, <laughs> and our, and our, and our uh, you know, stock pro portfolios and people's uh, retirement plans and savings and whatever, you know, you kind of managed somehow to turn that into, a, you know, the realization of like a dream where you brought like all of your gifts together and made something so beautiful and so sustainable that you know you continue to like nourish now all these years later so yeah 08 is important because of that because it was that moment oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah we're we're in, a, we're in a challenging time right now so i'm like i'm you know i'm at a point where i'm also now trying to figure all that out once yeah, again, me too. Me it, too. It, yeah. Because, so because back then, um, you know, you know, when we when we started Fountainhead, it was very, it, it, you know, two parts, right? We wanted to, we wanted to uh, support artists, and we wanted 
to give back to our community. And again, it all it all came down to people, right? We wanted we wanted to be able to make these connections that would be valuable for both the artists and our community, whether they were, you know, like business and financial connections, or even more importantly, you know, just personal connections that have the potential to change someone's life, you know. Even in a subtle way. I'm not I'm not saying that, you know, we're we're you know, we're changing lives, but we're we're You know, well, I feel that you're definitely changing and, and enriching the life of the community, for sure. So it's not necessarily one person's life, but yeah, yeah, definitely the community. Mm -hmm. But what I was, I mean, I don't know if I remember it right, but like my impression of it, and that's what I mean by turning something that looks like an obstacle into an opportunity, you know, is was that, you know, you had bought that, that the house, Uh, to, I think, fix it and sell it, I, I assume. And then the market changed. And you were like, okay, let's, we're, I'm just going to change like our vision for the house. So it's yeah. going to be a non-profit instead of, you know, a for-profit, basically. Like its value is not what I th we thought. So we make a different kind of value out of it. So I think well, that that's like a little bit, you know, the sense of, Taking life at its, you know, at its best, like finding yeah. what where the opening is. Yeah. Well, I think well, we didn't we didn't actually buy the house intent. We actually bought the house thinking that you know, our, you know, later for our, for our parents, right? Mm. And then and then um, you know, we've been talking about this idea for residency, but we didn't, you know, we've never done anything like it. And so mm. you know, when everything happened, I was just like, you mm. know what? Forget about renting the house. We're just, we're going to, that residency thing we've been talking about, we're, that's what we're going to do. And thankfully, you know, thankfully Dan and I had the income that we, we started, you know, it didn't, it, we, it didn't become a nonprofit until 2018, 10 yeah, years later. Yeah. Yeah. We, we funded it for the first, yeah. we funded everything about it for the first 10 years. Yeah. True. And, yeah you know, and it, And it's sorry, we like, you know, everybody's like, we well, need to turn it into a nonprofit. You need to lease the tax write off. I'm like, I don't have time for that. I don't want to do that. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And we just wanted to do what we wanted to do. Right. And, um, and, but we also started it like it's it financially. So Dan and I were both, so I'm, I, you know, I, we, we sold the children's center and I went back into tax. And, um, Dan and I were both traveling. He was traveling a ton at that time. He was going, Um, he was working in Brazil, if you remember. I so remember. he was traveling to Brazil um, three weeks out of the month. So between he and I, but primarily him going to Brazil, we had some serious airline miles. So we said, okay, you know, we've got the house. We'll, we'll pay for that. We'll use our airline miles to fly the artist in, which was a great idea, but it didn't, it didn't last. It didn't last <laughs> forever. You know, those miles, those miles, <laughs> that's pretty close. I just kept saying, Dan, can you, like, you got to get back Go. down to the <laughs> <laughs> you, need to, you need to take a trip around the world because I need some miles to bring artists in. <laughs> But, um, yeah, so we just, you know, we just, we just started it. And, you know, at the time, Um, you know, that's before the museums were what they were now. So we hosted, we hosted artists for the, for the various museums. So it was a way to, you know, give back in that way that it wasn't us giving money, but it was taking an expense off. So we paid for their flight so the artists could come. We, we, um, you know, we 
provide them a place to stay so they didn't have to rent hotel rooms for them. But the most important part is like they were part of a family so that when they came home from installing, you know, like if it was a good day, they had people to celebrate with. If it was a bad day, they had people to like try to brainstorm and, and figure things, figure things out. And then it also meant that they could stay around longer so that they could be, they could be more engaged with the community of the, you know, the institution and, and locally. So it was like a, a win, win, win situation all the way around. And then we did the same with, with Locust Projects. We hosted their artists for like the first six years, I think. Um, uh, and then we started helping out galleries as well because, you know, the gallery scene was just getting, was just getting started here. Um, and, you know, as well as inviting, inviting artists who, you know, who we chose. And then it's just, it's just, you know, and then shortly after doing that is when we started the studios because we were always, I, I miss our parties. Like we hosted parties, you know, for artists and so much fun. Like I, I miss hosting people, <laughs> but that's another story. Um, but, um, you know, and so we, we did a bunch of focus groups with artists to say, you know, what local artists, like what is your greatest need? And of course, as in any city, right, it's studio space. So like, okay, well, we don't have any like more like money. We don't own any commercial buildings, but we have friends. So I'm just going to start calling all my friends. Yeah, yeah. To find somebody. And then, you know, a friend, Steve Rhodes, who had a building in That's Little right. Navy. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, he's like, yeah. I, don't, he's like I don't know. I, I, I'll give you six months to give it a shot. And I was like, okay, I, I can do this in six months. And we put tape on the floors and off we went. You know, and then we ended up expanding five times, and now there's 30 artists there. And hopefully we'll be there for a while. When you go from tech, which, you know, has a lot different financial picture than working with a nonprofit. <laughs> you know? Yeah, very um, different. You know, it's, it's, very, it's very different. And, and you know, I'm, I'm someone that, um, you know, was, was driven by what I... Um, believed success to be um, really having learned from my, you know, from my, from my father and the men in my life um, that, you know, like that you, you were climbing a ladder, right? You, there were certain things that you did um, based on success as which success really being defined by money, you know, and the things that you have. And not in the ways that I define it now, which is in the relationships that I have, in the um, in in the my ability to give back and to make a difference and to shine a light and to elevate those around me. Like to me, that is my success. You know, to be able to give my children the the time that they deserve and the energy and the and the you know, just whatever, the support in anything that they want. And the same for my husband, to do the same for my husband. Because when you're on that hamster wheel, like, you're just looking forward, you know. Um, and sometimes it's blinders on. Like, I have to admit that to myself. Um, but getting out of that mindset and, and, and making a conscious decision to walk away from that, it's not easy. And I'll be honest, I, I, I still struggle with it. I do. 
Um, but, but I wouldn't, but I wouldn't change anything. Like I wouldn't change anything about, you know, like everything, you know, I mean, are there things that I regret? Absolutely. But would I change them? No, because I learned something along the way. You know, That's they right. changed. Yeah. Yeah. All those things I regret changed me in some way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, so we made the decision to go, to go all, to go all in, you know, and so now it's a nonprofit. It's my job as well as my, as well as my passion. Um, and that, and it's, it's just been, it's been amazing, but it's very, you know, it's, it's, um, and it's interesting because like, I, I always thought that people, um, felt like that people in the community felt a part of Fountainhead, but in it's this kind of interesting way when people were allowed to donate and be a part of it, like in a financial way. They felt that much more a part of it, mm. and I and I think I had always felt that way about organizations, but I never thought about it from the you know from the other perspective. So it's really it's really very enlightening, and and it, it I mean it just it really filled my heart. And now I feel like like I think I I think that everybody feels a part of Fountainhead. Head. Like, you know, I, I mean, everybody, I, I would love to be, say everybody, but I mean, the people that are, that come to it and the people that, that you know, that are artists that are part of it. And it's, I, I just feel like it, it feels extremely open, approachable, like it, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely one. Yeah, I, th I think that it is the most approachable and open of all, like the arts foundations in Miami. And the arts foundations in Miami are much more approachable than those in other cities. So, right. yeah. Um, and, I, and I feel that, you know, to our credit, you know, Miami has a lot of that strength, you know, in like human capital and human currency. Uh, and maybe it's like in part like the southern culture and the fact that we have so many immigrant cultures and so much much like you know new uh, American blood well like myself you know uh, so and like the new the new immigrants come with a great amount of like hope <laughs> and, and faith and optimism right because you give up everything for this dream of like freedom and so you're looking to make connections and you're looking for new groups and communities and families so like miami is kind of like a fertile ground f for that um you know the state i mean we're not known for it i don't know why <laughs> i don't know why i have such a hard time uh, yeah. you know convincing people who don't you know live here that we have such right. a dynamic like uh, art world you know an intellectual life because it's just not our um you know whatever yeah we're, we're, we're working we're working to change that right i mean yeah, it's not our reputation let's say i mean art is a huge part of changing and i and i say that i mean that is the you know we are very lucky for a host of reasons but i you know when i talk about miami People that look in from the outside, they see they see the top layer, and yes, it is full of glitz and you know uh, superficiality and fast cars and monstrous houses and parties and lavish this. But you know what? Like you get you get just below that surface, and there is so much in the people here, like you said, in their 
in their in their um, in their in their passion and their drive and their entrepreneurial uh, their, their entrep- uh, entrepreneurialism. Um, mm-hmm. There's just and, and and also the the desire of people to support one another. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, okay, you want to do that? We can figure that. Like, I can help you. Like, I know this person, I can tell you this person. And then as soon as you do that, you let me know, and I'm going to post it here. You know, like people, I mean, and if, you, and if, if you're coming at it from the right perspective, right? Because there are also, you know, there are, there are, you know, there, are, there have been some shady things happening. We can't, like, sit there and make it look like all rainbows around here. It's not. But people can sense the other side of things you know what i mean but i mean there really are there, there really there's just such a tremendous amount of energy here you the, the people are incredible and we also don't have the um that like the hierarchical structure yeah, exactly yeah that exists in other cities like if you come and you want to do something you just do it here yeah and then exactly. doing it well and from a good place and with the right intentions, you know what? People will rally around you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, um, I, you know, I feel that the the old world, you know, the world that like I left behind, and literally every American's ancestor, other than the Native Americans, left behind for some reason. You know, the old world was very much created on like hierarchy and the right way of doing things and the wrong and like you know guilds, which is like the, you know, the old unions, you know, and if you're not born to do something or if you're not trained properly, you can't do it. All of these rules, you know, so like, you know, the royals would always be royals (laughs) and, you know, the the people with no land would never have land kind of set up. And within that also like the role of the genders, you know, and in America, we, we feel, you know, in, in general freer. But I feel that in Miami, it's much more so because it's a younger city and it's a changeable, variable, you know, community. It's not like uh, the Northeast, you know, so kind of like deeply established. When I lived in New York, I clearly felt um, uncomfortable by the competitiveness around me. You know, I felt it, speaking of feeling things, you know, and I saw it in my fellow writers and artists. I saw how they were overwhelmed, how people had to be medicated. Um, I saw that it kind of like went against their nature, you know, that there was, it, it was overwhelming. It was not at the human level. It was just too much, too big to handle. And when I came to Miami, I came to Miami Beach, you know, it just felt so f- relaxed and liberated and accepting. You know, like I, I felt the emotional change. Um, and, I, and, I, and I feel that um, that was the main reason that I ended up staying. It, you know, we say it's the weather. The weather is like, you know, it, it was nice to spend a couple of winters without, you know, snow. But like to make a decision to raise, you know, my kid here and put her to school here and have her make her friends here. It was more than the weather, you know. It's exactly that sense of community that you, you know, that sense of freedom that I kind of like sacrificed, you know, my language, my religion, my connections, my whatever bullshit name, you know, to get. And I, I got it here, you know, if I... I was an artist and I did not, you know, I was an artist because I was making art people wanted to buy. I did not need to 
like have you know 30 certificates i mean i do have an art degree but that doesn't matter like it didn't it didn't have the same you know formal stranglehold right. that i feel other more established areas in the country have inherited from the old world and i think that that's also part of like the the fight that's happening in our political realm right now and we're not going to talk politics but you know it's kind of like there is a right way to do things and a wrong and and you know there's so much resistance to just like change and evolution and changing the language and change you know like it's okay to me it's okay you know i i really don't have these like strict categories um i think that that's what holds us back cuz you know america is like a union that's founded on totally different principles than all the other countries in the world and those of us who are here prefer that like came for that you know for the union absolutely yeah so in your journey i think like uh you know i first of all i want to ask you like what do you think is ahead what's the future for fountainhead and you know maybe in general you know if you have a sense of the future for miami the culture and you know what i i feel like normally i would you know Months ago, I would have had so many answers, like right, like ready to shout and 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 you know, and say we're going to do this, 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 this. I I think I'm still, um, I I at this moment, <clears throat> and hopefully the next couple of weeks specifically, <clears throat> excuse me, is um in the like re re assessment and re evaluation and just you know talking to a lot of people to make sure that what we're doing is, is the, the right thing to be doing. It's that it's what's needed, that we are having the impact that, you know, that we want to have. Um, and, and, you know, see if there's any tweaks or things that we, you know, that we want to make going forward. So I, I you know, I, I think that, Right now, we're going to. We started a lot of new programming last year. Um, you know, like with Artists Open. Um, I'm very proud of that initiative. I can't wait to do it again because we weren't able to do it. You know, to do it this year, but to to bring, you know, to be able to, you know, bring awareness to all of the artists in Miami, not just just those that are in institutions like like Fountainhead, like Ulay you know, big house and others are large complexes but to be able to elevate all Miami artists um, and to be able to bring the community in to all of those artist studios. Like I'm, I'm so happy we started this and I started that. And I, you know, I want to, I want to build upon that. Um, you know, now we're doing the online version and, um, you know, and it's open to anybody, wor any artist working in, in Miami, as you know. And um, so I want to continue those programs, which are relatively new programs. Um, and then, um, you know, do more of the financial education uh, because that is something that's um, very near and dear to my heart because I, I, I feel like that is, that is a... Um, that's understanding finances and budgeting and how to save and how to, how to, you know, attain your dreams, what you need to make your dreams come through. 
um, is so important and something that we don't teach in our schools, um, whether regardless of what regardless of whether you're going into art or for medicine, basically. I, mean, I talked to talk to doctors who tell me the same thing. You know, we go to med school, but we still have no idea how to run a business. Yet we're entrepreneurs. My accountant has been uh, donating his time to give to give workshops. Um, and then I also have someone on our board that has been, um, that is taking, that is working with any of the artists and residents that need help and have financial questions. So it's a mix of one-on-one workshops. And then I'm talking with some other banks about putting together more of a, a, a curriculum. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we're going to talk about different. I mean, I think that that is, you know, a huge issue. I, I, I do think that, especially, you know, right now in America, you know, financial uh, fluency, financial literacy, you know, as well yeah. as, um, I mean, there are other humanistic literacies that people just have no access to. You know, after, <laughs> after like twelve years in school, not to mention like sometimes even the four years in college, you still don't get basics. You know. Uh, whether it's how to manage your money, you know, like in the in the case of uh, speaking sex, how to manage your relationships, you know, your relationships with your loved ones, with your partners, with your children, you know, how to speak about things intimate. And shockingly, money is an intimate thing. And people have as much difficulty speaking about money as they have about, you know, speaking about any other kind of intimate things, like, you know, sexuality or, or love or romance or faithfulness, you know, because if feels like that negotiation involves some sort of like, you know, distancing or, or rejection or objectification. So I feel or like, failure. you know, the language of money, I'm sorry? Or failure. Or failure. Failure, I judgment, yeah. So, um, there, yeah, there is definitely, you know, uh, and, and it's interesting because what that does is that it keeps money in the hands of the very rich, right? It keeps... That you know the wealth <laughs> uh, where yeah. it where it has been in that like 0.1 percent, and it makes it something kind of like unfathomable, you know, or almost like mag- magical for the masses, you know. So uh, uh, you're incorporating that language in everyday fluency, in everyday speech, you know. I think would be so useful, you know, and including like, you know, knowledge, like what, is, what does the stock market do? You know, I, I see now, right now at this moment, you know, we're hearing that like the stock market is doing well because of all the millennials who are investing like small amounts based pretty much on like their research of the moment, you know, in like apps, you know, like Robinhood or whatever, and they're buying into stocks that otherwise like those who uh, have had the more traditional sense of the market would have sold. Um, and they're keeping it afloat. So it's like, well, what do they know? <laughs> what, you know, how can you get more of that into the culture? So people, you know, so people can have that conversation and that facility. I think that's a very worthwhile, um, you know, like mission. I think it's needed. Um, I feel that, you know, money as well as time, you know, currency and time, you know, how, how do we measure them and, and what's our relationship with them and do we have, you know, uh, agency when it comes to them? What's our agency, you know, when it comes to money or time? Um, and what, all, all of that, it's a, it's a big conversation and it's one that's important to have and to share. 
It, it is. And it, it, it's not just, you know, it's not just money, right? It's the value of time. Exactly. It, it's, just under, it's, understand, it's understanding, you know, how you're, how you're spending your time, how you're, where you're spending the money. I mean, a lot of people don't realize how much they're starting to realize now during COVID, I was actually just talking to an artist yesterday and he's like, I never realized how much money I spent out drinking. He's like, my costs have gone down so so significantly because I'm just not, I'm not paying $15 or whatever for, for a drink out, you know, I'm making a drink at home, but it's, but you know, it's, it's understanding those, those things and, yeah, and even like our memberships you know like you you know we pay apple x amount and we pay yeah. like youtube x amount and we pay spotify and netflix and you know hulu and it's just like a uh, washington post and the new york times and it, 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 it's time i mean i know like looking at my bills there's so many of them and i try to cut them out but then there are more <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, i know so yeah be, but but i feel like also the you know the sense of like what is my time worth to me and to the world at large is a big issue and especially for women you know because again you know by being told that our most important work has no financial value then it becomes really difficult for us to judge the value of our work as women unless we like copy the, the male standard you know which is how you get women like that female boss you mentioned you know who is like a she you know it's like a she male you know a woman who is just out in men in their like you know cliche like toxic masculinity <laughs> you know right. trying to earn respect in the you know in the workplace that way um and i you know i understand that so yeah it's it's even more important for women to learn you know to you know obtain uh, some sort of relationship and and language with money resources sharing resources you know another big thing is like the share economy yeah. which is huge you know and i and i think also like during covid that has become much more um a, uh, you know there is much more awareness to it like i have felt very strongly since covid you know the the land for example that i have in greece and the house and the guest house and the gardens and the vineyard whatever i have I already feel like, you know, I don't want this for myself. Like, I want it to belong to my sisters. I don't have any need for it myself, you know. You kind of, like, the sharing becomes has become much more real. Just, like, share what you've got, because why are you holding on to it? Um, and, um, but, and I know that there is a, a growth of, like, women's groups, you know, the loom groups where, you know, every woman pays an amount and then when she brings enough women in, she gets, like, an amount back and gets promoted. And then, you know, so it's kind of like a women's version of a pyramid scheme because it's not a pyramid because it's, like, a, it's like more of a circle. That's why it's called the loom because the person on top ends at the end of the season you know, so like someone starts it who has been in other looms. So it's all about like the spiral and the circle. And it's kind of like women's resources being used amongst themselves to help them kind of like make a little more money as they bring more people in this evolving spiral. I'm not, I'm not saying that that's necessarily like the future of the economy, but I'm, I'm really, I find it positive. I'm inspired by the fact that, you know, people, and especially women, you know, are kind of like finding ways to trust each other and use yeah. what they have to kind of grow. Um, 
but yeah, there is definitely a big gap in that use of you know of of learning and communication. And and, and like I I really I the sharing component. And that sharing of not only what you have, but sharing of your knowledge, sharing of your resources, you know, sharing is, it, you know, people, you know, it, it's something we need to do more and more and more of. And also, and part of that is, you know, sharing with and staying in contact with the people that you love, respect, and admire the most, because they're also the people that get pushed aside the quickest when you're when you're on a hamster wheel, you know, and you've got to get things done and you're so focused and, you know, you have to contribute here and you have to do this and you have to do that. You know, you often, you know, forget those that you really want to spend your time with, you know? Um, but the, but the sharing is, it, it's interesting because I, I, we had an artist that was, um, and she was a curator that was with us, um, from LA during COVID. And she, you know, she um, runs a project called Bed and Breakfast, and she bakes. Part of her, part of her program is, you know, when people in the community come in, she she bakes for everyone. And so she actually, during COVID, turned her baking, you know, more into a business, but also a shared economy. So she would bake bread. Someone else would, you know, exchange for for eggs. Somebody else would exchange for vegetables. I think she had done. Some sort of some sort of other project that wasn't had nothing to do with food, but there was an exchange that way. Um, Nicole and I started to talk with them, and they exchanged an artwork for writing a story. So there's a lot more, you know, of a shared economy that that's really happening. Yeah, and that, that's another project that you know, if one could like you know go behind it and give it more you know like fire <laughs> yeah. um i mean i've i've done it you know for a long time kind of like trading my art for all kinds of you know whatever you know i, I i'm very quick to do it and i'm very happy to do it because uh, outside of like the the formative like studio setting i don't even know the price you know if like someone comes to my home and wants to buy a piece i just don't feel the same you know because it's not like a formal setting I would much rather exchange it. <laughs> uh, it just feels better. And, yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, be, kind of like organizing that in a way that's more formal. So rather than just trading with, you know, uh, one or two people or three people a year, you know, trading mm -hmm. with like three people a week, that would be amazing, you know. And also kind of like bypass government altogether in the most like beautiful organic way, like, yeah. You know, it, there is no, there is a lot of exchange and a lot of you know giving and taking and supporting without really having to go through like uh, you know the regular channels or channels that, that put us in categories. You know, it's, it's interesting that you said that because that's actually something I've been thinking a lot about. And when we we did these dinners during um, when things started to open up. <laughs> Um, with artists and talking about how we can how we can facilitate something like that that is that is not only within within the artist community but broader as well so whether it's you know dental services legal services doctors like uh, you know there's, there's you know there's a whole host of things and maybe it's not just art but it's time like how do we 
I've been thinking a lot about that. It's like, how can you facilitate something like that to make it open enough that it's accessible, but controlled in the way that it doesn't get taken advantage of, like by the wrong, you know, the, it, it just doesn't get taken advantage of, or it doesn't, um, it's it kept, it's kept, Exactly. Yeah. No. It needs. It definitely yeah. needs. You know. There's always a need for an editorial or a curatorial. Uh, right. You know. I. Let's say. You right. know. For sure. You know. An ethical supervision, so everyone feels you know safe and can do it without spending too much time researching and preparing. You know. It's like I studied this because you know kids my daughter's age would be like, you know, we don't know anything and we don't trust anyone. We don't know what to do. <laughs> you know, no one has taught us anything about like, you know, our sex lives or our love lives or like boys or pronouns or what do we do? You know, so like doing this every week for me it has been a labor of love. You know, I have not, of course, in any way monetized it, but it's so enriching, you know, and I find that it's enriching in the way that you say, with, you know, in the way that Fountainhead was, you know, everyone who has come on uh, for, for an hour, you know, during these two and a half years has kind of joined this growing family and we all stay connected and we know now each other's narratives much better. And we yeah. can kind of call on each other, you know, and we know that, you know, when you call on one another, we will be there because there is that big connection that happened with this conversation. Um, but yeah, to, to be able to kind of like organize people um, in an overall way, that would be, I think, you know, pretty revolutionary. <laughs> um, I don't know how you do it. Maybe you create an app. <laughs> and, I don't know. I'm so um, there's a thing that's something that I'm thinking about. Like, so, um, well, if anyone can do it, you can do it because you've all, always been about share since I've known you. So, like, quite almost, <laughs> I think at least you know, 15, 16 years. I think that I've known you. You yeah, have been um, 16 years. Yeah, I've, you have definitely always shared. You know, come share my food. Come share my home. Come share my friends. You know, or welcome or you know let's go uh, whatever visit or it that's like your instinct right so yeah. even now with covid you were like you know go get the fruit and vegetables they're in my yard yeah. so and i went and i and i loved them <laughs> yeah so yeah i definitely it's it's a big part of your you know your calling because it's a way to combine you know feelings and humanity with like sales and that organization, you know, of the exchange of goods. So, yeah. yeah. And with that, I was lucky because that was another woman sharing with me. So it was Rosie Gordon-Wallace who, who put everything together and said, you know, are you, will, will you work with me on this? And I was like, absolutely. Like, done. You know, so but, but that was her share. Like, it was her baby that she shared with me to help, you know, and then we, the artists, the yeah. we did it together. So, you know yeah and it's beautiful yeah well i i love it i love the i love the idea i love the project as much as i'm you know a great fan of fountainhead this would even grow everything even more <laughs> and it could be like you know could grow out of miami and become something even bigger so i'm you know i'm looking forward to like hearing more about your steps moving ahead and about your self growth and evolution and, you know, I'm always, you know, hopefully I'm always going to be a little part of your life. Yeah. 
Uh, not so, mostly. You absolutely are. Huh. And I and I and I and yours. Yeah. My gosh, we've been talking for now. I don't have my glasses on, so I can't. Yeah. Uh, we, <laughs> well, I think I, we're. I'm sorry. I feel like did I did we talk about anything yeah. you really wanted to talk about? I'm sorry. Yeah. It's beautiful. No, I think we had a beautiful conversation, and you know, you're a great role model, and really, that's what I wanted to share. I, you know, I just wanted to share who you are, you know, as a woman in the world and everything we spoke of, I think, you know, um, kind of like has enriched and inspired the listeners and, you know, they're everywhere in the world, you know, which is, you know, uh, so fulfilling that we have big groups of people listening like on every continent and pretty much in every uh, major city or country in the world. So I don't know how they find us. <laughs> But it's beautiful, and I'm happy, and I hope that uh, they all stay in touch. So thank you for coming. Thank you for sharing, you know, your your beautiful truth and your narrative with us, Catherine. And uh, uh, love you. And everybody uh, out there, love you too. And until next week, keep speaking sex. So we're excited to announce our partnership with Old Playground .net. It's the site to go to if you're in any way curious about what to do next in your sex life. If I could make love incessantly, I would be gone.